0: early 20s, I had gone to a pawn shop, which I was apt to do in those days, and I had bought me a compound bow to go bow hunting with. And I spent upwards of $30 on this thing, so it was, I thought it was a nice one, because that was a lot of money for me back in those days. And I showed it to my little brother Heath, and he was all jealous, because his hand-me-down bow wasn't spray-painted, camouflage like this one. And so I showed him my arrows, and I had these big long arrows. You know, the the bows today they shoot these little graphite darts, basically. But this was an old fashioned one, and and it had arrows about this long, this big around. <laughs> and and uh, I, I, he said, "Where'd you get those javelins?" And I said, "These are what you call dead stock." The guy at the, the pawn shop, but that's what he told me. He said, "He said, now neither one of us understood the concept of dead stock, obviously." <laughs> Because he looked at me he says, now we ain't going to be shooting no cows. I done told you I ain't going to get no more trouble because you You should have got the ones to shoot the deer, not the dead stock. You know? <laughs> anyway, we knew that if, you know, we were going to have a chance of sticking a deer that first day of deer season, we needed to shoot them some. So I had saw this place over on um, 51 over there. It ain't there anymore, but it used to be an indoor bow shooting range, and we thought we'd go shoot a few at a target, you know, to kind of get used to our our bows. And uh, we come busting in like we normally did, all cocky, you know. We was the Sheffield brothers. We come walking in with our uh, old bows, and and I could hear some of the regulars in there. They were snickering about our bows, <laughs> and and. My arms started flaring. My wings started flaring. And Heath could see I was getting that look in my eyes, you know. And he pulled me to this and He said, wait a minute, guy, now. He said, ain't but six or seven of them. And it wouldn't be fair for them to have to fight both the Sheffields. So just calm down. I was like, okay. You know. And they just went on talking about their highfalutin bows and how they had the fiber optic sights and how they'd shoot 300 feet per second and all this stuff. I didn't know nothing about I wanted to say something smart, but. I didn't think of anything, <laughs> like usual. <laughs> it's a, so I just went on up there, and I notched one of my javelins. I mean, my dead stocks, <laughs> And the big old thing about that big, you know. And all eyes in the place was on me. I mean, everybody was like, what's this guy going to do? I mean, it was so quiet. You've heard the saying you could have heard a pin drop. And seriously, you could have heard a pin drop when I I notched that that big old dead stock, and I pulled it back, and it was so quiet, except for a few guys ducking for cover when I looked around to make sure everybody was watching. (laughs) And and anyway, I looked at that target, and I pulled back on it, and the guy next to me, he had one of those highfalutin bows. He pulled it back with a little trigger on his and said, you know, and shot a little... He was grouping them real tight around the bullseye over in a little sm- short arrows, about like that. And I did like this right here. I usually reserve that for dancing, you know. Like. Gave it one of these. I pulled it back the old-fashioned way with my fingers. And I let go. And when I did, that javelin started barrel rolling down the lane like this number here. <laughs> Looked like a wet North Korean bottle rocket, I'm telling you. <laughs> But guess where it hit? Bullseye! Bullseye. <laughs> I, I hitched up my pants and <laughs> started waiting for the applause, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'll tell you more about that story as we go on. But we, Today's message is entitled, The Right Target. Say, The Right Target. Right. It's important that we hit the right target, amen? amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Mostly true stories now. The mostly true stories are over. We're into the, till the all true stories now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, used to being the main part of that phrase. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Can we all admit if, you know, if we didn't get saved really early, most of us can remember that we used to kind of serve the devil. And he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to To obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. But our very by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. It was our very nature. We probably wanted to be better. We probably wanted to act right. But we had no power to act right. We were under the power of another master. We didn't have a choice. We had been born dead in our sins and trespasses. Our spirit was darkened to God. There was really very little goodness in us. At best, we had a little willpower that would go for a little while, but then wear out, and we would go back. We would sink back into our comfortable, old, dead nature. And that's the way we lived. Wanting to be something that we couldn't be. Wanting to be different. Wanting to be in the light, but being afraid of the light because our sins might be exposed. Am I, am I hitting anybody here? Is God's Word touching a place that you used to remember back in the old days, right? Or maybe you're there today. But if you're there today, I'm here to tell you that we were all there once, so don't feel bad. We're just where we are right now, but that doesn't mean we got to stay where we are right now. Amen? The good news is we're going to tell you some better news. It goes on from here. But God. Say, but God. Oh, don't you love that phrase? I think that's Anita's favorite phrase. She says it to everything. She says the computer's down in the children's church. But God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Richard didn't bring me no biscuits. But God, <laughs> she says, but God, but, but God is so rich in mercy. And you know what mercy is? It's God giving you something. It's not him. He's, it's, it's him not giving you what you deserve. That's what mercy is. Because if we got what we deserved, we'd all be in a bad place. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much. Say so much. How much does God love you? Do you know it? Do you struggle with it like I do sometimes? Do you feel like God is, you haven't had an encounter with God sometimes? And you got to stir yourself up. You know, we're called to live this life by faith. That means when you're not getting to see it and God's not making it evident, that don't mean it ain't real. He's just probably, you're probably in one of those valley seasons where you need to buckle yourself up and get back in your faith pants. And just trust in God's love. He ain't never let you down before. He loves you so much. And even though we were dead because of our sins. Now, he loved us back when we were in our sins, you see. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us a new direction, a new life. What you had before wasn't even a life. It was an existence. But he said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant." I've come to give you the kind of thing you ain't never experienced before. But this is the part I want to get to in parentheses. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Now mercy is you not getting what you deserve. But grace is you getting what you don't deserve. God's love. We didn't deserve it, but we were saved by it. We were saved by this grace, and that's the only way we get it. You know, I had some form of religion growing up, not much, but my grandmama lived in Shaw, Mississippi, and when I'd come down there, she'd try to get me to go to church in her little Catholic church, and she'd tell me, there's some good-looking girls been going to the church, and that would fool me every time. And I'd get there, and the youngest girl would be 75, you know. <laughs> but I would go. And, you know, I'd go my once or twice a year. But then she would be on me about, you need to go to confession. You need to go to confession. I'm like, tell me what i do again. You go in this room. You go to the church, and I guess it's the priest. I don't know. He's hiding behind this cloth thing. And you go in this little closet. And you go in there, and you're supposed to say, um, "Bless me, Father, for I have sinned." It's been so many days since my last confession, and so you speak to this curtain, and there's a man behind it, and you begin to tell him all your sins. Now, I ain't telling him all my sins, <laughs> right? I mean, that's a man over there. <laughs> and so, even as a kid, I said, I'm not telling him that. No, I'm not telling him that. I'm just telling him what sounds good, what I think he wants to hear, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I was disrespectful to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and And so I'd tell him a few things, and then he would say, I can't remember what he said, but he said, He said something along the lines of go out there and say 15 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers and your sins will be forgiven. I said, what about 10 Hail Marys and five Our Fathers? You know, I wanted to bargain with him, but I didn't. I went out there. Our Father, who in heaven, I will be in the name of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hail Mary, full of grace, for the Lord, which is with thee. I bless and I'll run amongst one blessed and fruited. I'm Jesus. I'm one Mother God. Pray for sinners now now, in death. Amen. Our Father, who And I just said them as fast as I could. Forgiven! Woo! <laughs> Got up out of there, and I was forgiven. And so, I grew up as a kid thinking that I could bargain with God. Now, how many of you know that I don't think when you confess to God that you need, a, you need an intermediator? You know what I'm saying? You don't need somebody in between. You have access to the Father personally, right? <clears throat> and he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He didn't say anything about saying some Hail Mary's. It's something he gives us by grace. But I thought, hey, when I got in trouble, I would say, God, if you'll get me out of this trouble, I won't cuss the rest of the week. And so every thought in my head was bargaining with God. Now, have anybody can attest? Now, see, I know Christians in here that may have been serving the Lord for 20 years. You're still bargaining with God. I hear people saying, I don't know. I, I just ain't been going to church because I ain't been doing right. But I'm on, I told God that I'm going to do this, and if he'll help me, I'm going to do this. And we're Bargaining with God all the time. That isn't who God is. You don't bargain with God. What He says goes. But the good news is, is what He says is good. It's good for you. And this bargaining that we do, you know what it does? It cultivates in us this condemnation. It just creates in us this uh, we just feel condemned. Because we know deep down we ain't supposed to bargain with God. We know deep down we're failing Him. If we would just go on and learn about His grace and His mercy, we could do away with the condemnation and we can do away with the, the bargaining. We could just get with the program. We can stay on track. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who follow after, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, everything I knew about religion up until I got really saved was the fleshly understanding of the Bible. Only surface level, only, not even, not even cracking the surface. All I knew about religion was bargaining with God. That's not God at all. I didn't understand the spirit behind everything that God says in his word. And I, I wasn't reading his word in the first place. So how was I to know? But if you walk by the spirit, life is going to get much better for you. You won't walk around beat down strung out, feeling bad about yourself all the time, you'll learn to receive His grace. You'll love to receive His mercy. And when you ask for forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness and you won't drag that sin around with you like a ball and chain for the next three months. The devil's got some of us just so tied down. But Jesus, come that you might be free. The truth will make you free. Free from the ball and chain. Free from the condemnation. You were under a sentence to be condemned. But when you made Christ your Lord, He took the written ordinances against you and He nailed them to His cross. And He paid your penalty. And it's done. It is finished. So why would you let the devil latch on to you when you're supposed to be running your race? 2 Corinthians 5:19 This was one of the hardest scriptures for me to get, wrap my mind around. For God was in Christ. Christ is God, you understand that? I don't know how the Trinity works, can't explain it. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all God. They're three distinct personalities, but they're all one. It's bigger than our human minds can understand. Once again, it's a spiritual principle. We, we may not grasp on this side. But God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling, meaning wiping off your slate clean, wiping your slate clean, making, making everybody right with himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And some of us have lived our whole life thinking it's my sin, this, my sin. is. You're dictated by your sin, and God's not even holding sin against the world. Sin debt was paid in Jesus Christ. When he said it is finished, sin was paid for. Yours, mine, everybody, yesterday, today, and forever, sin is done away with. He's no law. Sin is not the issue unless you make it the issue. If you die right now without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's, you're not going to hell because of your sin. You're going to hell because you, you refuse the pardon written in the blood of Jesus Christ. we're focused on sin even as christians me man i'll do something wrong and i'll be asking god to forgive me for six months and he's up there scratching his head i, I told you i'm not up there counting your sins against you right so so why do, why should a, a christian continue to confess their sins first john 1 9 where you if you confess your sins god is faithful to forgive you of for your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It was written to Christians because we still, we still have a propensity to sin, even though now we have the power to overcome sin. So why do, if sin is done away with, why would we still confess our sins? Hmm. You're getting into some deep stuff now. You see, you see, positionally, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places right now, positionally. See, God sees yesterday, today, and t- tomorrow, and forever, all at the same time. He sees you as a finished product if he wants to. And that's the way he wants to. So positionally, you're already made right in his eyes, even though we're in this process of sanctification during this time that we live here on the earth. And we're still learning, and we're growing, and we're still making mistakes, right? Right? So positionally your sins has already been forgiven. But while we're living this life out and as we're still making mistakes and growing hopefully and I'm teaching you how to grow as you're growing you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. Sometimes you're going to fall for the trick of the enemy. Your flesh is going to get a hold of you. You're not going to be walking in the spirit. You're not going to be doing the things to stay on the straight and narrow the way you should. You're going to fall into sin. But you confess your sins. And he he doesn't say, go say ten Hail Marys. He says, you're forgiven. And you don't confess because that because if you died right now as a Christian and you sinned, you're going to hell, you're not, it's not a heaven or hell issue. It's a, it's a relationship issue because sin separates you from God in your relationship right now. Am I teaching this right, Nicholas? Okay, so so sin is not sin is not going to send anybody to hell. Sin is dealt with. It's your rejection of Christ. It's your rejection of the, your pardon from sin, the reason you'll go to hell. And as a, as a Christian, this, your sin that is paid, you just need to keep it under the blood. And as the more you trust God and the more you confess your sins and, and you actually receive your forgiveness, the quicker you can get on the path to righteousness. If you stay bogged down in a sin consciousness, whatever you're thinking on is what you'll become. And you'll stay in your sin. You need to be righteous minded. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to be thinking about how good God has made you. Not be thinking about your mistakes all the time. You come out of your mistakes by changing the way you think. So memorize and utilize John, 1 John 1.9. And receive your forgiveness. I remember, I, I remember the first time I really sinned big after I got saved. And I had been so on fire for God. And I was beating myself up terrible. And I'd ask for forgiveness. And the Spirit of God came in the car I was driving. And I was in there by myself. And He just told me, why are you under this condemnation? When you ask for forgiveness, I forgave you. And I, and I never understood, the, I, I, I knew God's love, but I didn't know the depth of God's love until He had forgiven me when I didn't deserve it. And which one of us deserves it? This is not a license to sin. If you want you don't need a license to sin. You've sinned fine your whole life up until this point. But I'm showing you the way to come out of sin. Stop letting it dictate your life, even as a Christian. Put sin behind you. Sin separates. It makes us ashamed. And it makes us feel alone. Do I need to say that again? Sin has consequences. When you sin... It separates you from that relationship. Not that God's gone anywhere. He never moves. But because of our shame, we hide from God. And that's why I tell baby Christians, you're going to sin again. Don't run from God. Run to God. That's the most important thing you can tell a baby Christian because they, they think, oh, I've messed this up. No, you ain't messed it up. Run to God and just receive your forgiveness. You run to God long enough, sin will be a distant memory in your life. That's the whole point. Keep running to God. But sin makes us feel alone. The devil throws that condemnation. He's always yakking, and he tells you, Oh, you've separated from God, now you've missed it. In John sixteen thirty-two, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's telling them about what's fixing to happen. You know, he's going to be crucified and all that. He says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. He's predicting that they will all desert him, which they did. They were baby Christians. He says, yet I am not alone. Say, yet I am not alone. If everybody deserts you, you are not alone. Are you listening? Some of you became Christians, it seemed like you lost all your friends. I'm all alone. No. You were alone before. Now you are never alone. He says, Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. See, he understood that the Father is, is in him and the Father's in you. Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you if you're a born-again believer. Once again, one of those spiritual principles, I can't understand, but just know it's true. And you're never alone. So that begs the question, when Jesus was hanging on our cross, right? He says, Eloi, Eloi, laba sabastani, which means, my God. My God, why have thou forsaken me? Did the Father leave Jesus? Or did Jesus just feel alone because of our sin that was poured upon? took upon him the sin of the whole world. And it was so dark. In that darkness, even Jesus felt separated from the Father. And he cried out. That's what sin does. If sin made made Jesus feel separated and abandoned, what will it do to us? Do not allow that darkness into your life. When you sin, run to Jesus, confess it, get it under the blood, and walk back into the light. The whole reason God sent Jesus is to bring us together so we never have to be alone. It was for relationship's sake that God sent His only Son. God never wants us to feel alone. His whole purpose is to draw us near. Our salvation comes by him coming into us. How near do you think he wants to be to you? He lived with them in a little box called the Ark of the Covenant in the desert. For 40 years just to be with his people waiting for the day when his son would make a way that your heart would become the new ark of the covenant. That your heart would become the temple of the living God. That Jesus could now dwell in your mortal bodies. He could be so close to you that there's no separation. One with you. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. You don't understand the love of Christ if you let sin separate you. If you let sin have any foothold in your life. He wants us to trust that He will never leave us and never forsake us. He wants to build our faith on Him, on His goodness to us. Anything else is just missing the target. I was shooting my bow, right? Had my overbite going. Watch this. Let it go, and that thing barrel rolled down there. It hit the bullseye. I turned around, waiting for the applause. Still cricket, cricket. And all of a sudden, the clanging of my big javelin, as it didn't have enough force to stick in the target, fell out onto the concrete floor. Dling, 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 dling. And then somebody two rose down saying, Hey, that's my target. When you live your life as somebody who comes busting in like they own the place, Thinking they know everything, ready to fight and get their wings flaring, and anybody who would dare to question them, and you living your life to show how good you are, you're missing the target. You're not even in the right lane. focusing on you focusing on yourself making this life about you just seeing yourself seeing seeing you has been the source of all your troubles up until this point the devil he's right there with you yeah you are sorry he's there to kick you when you're down he's your best friend right He wants you to leave out of here just feeling beat down, wore out. Man, I just can't do that Christian thing. When all it is is a change of your focus. You understand, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, what you were saying is, Second uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, says we're saved by grace through faith. In the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the gift of God. It's not of works lest anybody should boast. What you did when you got saved is you stopped trying to earn a gift. If you offered me a gift and I said thank you and I gave you $20 for it, it would cease to be a gift. It would be something I purchased. And you cannot purchase heaven. You cannot purchase a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only given as a gift. You must humbly receive the gift. Right? And so why is it that when we get saved, what we had done is we we finally got to the end of ourselves and said, well, I don't want to sit on that throne anymore. I've made enough mistakes in my life. I need Jesus. We admit it and we receive it. And then as soon as we get saved, we're trying to measure up with other Christians sitting on our row. Being more righteous than they are. Looking better than they are. Oh, I've got it all together now. We're not honest with anybody. We all put masks on and we just begin to play church. Why do we get unreal after we just got real? Paul said to the church in Galatia in chapter 3, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You started off so good in the spirit. And now you want to earn your salvation by the works of the flesh. You You understand that you had to receive it by faith. That's all you did was receive it. And now you want to begin to earn it after you got saved. Like you've got to earn it to keep it. Like God's word isn't true. That when he says that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall have eternal life, like that was some other word than eternal. Well, let me get back to my notes before I get off. Galatians 5.4 says, if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. He's talking to the church now. The church in Galatia. If you're trying to be right with God, if whether you feel right with God is according to how you've been acting, then you've been cut off from Christ and you have fallen away from the grace of God. Now which one of you wants to fall away from the grace of God and get back into works mentality? Hebrews 12.2 says keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He wrote the story of your life. When you got saved, you you got one thing to do, and that is to stay close to Jesus. That's your thing. That's your thing. If you're worried about sinning, if you're up close to Jesus, you ain't going to be sinning. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? You ain't going to be smoking the crack pipe and looking at porn walking with Jesus? How did you get saved? You changed your focus from me to him. How do you live saved? Keep your focus on Jesus. It's his spirit in you. It's it's his words. It's him that makes you, it's, it's him that completes the work in you. You're trying to go back to doing it yourself. You couldn't do it before. Remember, it's only by His grace that you've been saved. And it's His grace that will keep you saved. It's His grace that will let you live saved, live free. From the condemnation and the guilt and the cycle of despair. And I'm, I'm not doing good this week because I ain't been acting right. But next week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to work and I'm going to try. And I, I'm, 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 I'm. Flesh is still the same flesh it was before you got saved. It couldn't before and it came now. It's his spirit in you only. What do you see when you focus on you? Not much. You see failure. You feel guilt. You you see inadequacy. You begin to look at all the things you can't do. You, You think about your mistakes. What do you see when you see yourself? If you're focusing on yourself all the time, You see a sinner. But what do you see if you keep your eyes on Jesus? You don't see a sinner saved by grace. You see somebody that used to be a sinner, but he was saved by grace. You see a new creation in Christ Jesus. You see His work in you. You begin to see His power in you. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live not by my own strength, not by my own power, not by my willpower, but by the faith of God who gave His life for me. The power of God that now dwells within me. You see promises, eternal perspective. You see victory. What do you see when you see Jesus hanging there on your cross? You see that I'm worth something to God. That's the kind of worth you can't take away and isn't dictated by your activities. What do you feel when you know that he's he's sitting at the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for you? You can say, my God's praying for me right now, praying that I will not fail like he prayed for Peter. Second Corinthians says we're a new creation, not a patched up version of the old creation. Jesus is the target. Don't miss the target. Don't make it about you. Now, how does God see us? I'll tell you how God sees us now, that Christ is in us. Alive. Alive. Somebody ought to shout, I once was dead, but now I live. I once was blind, but now I see. An old wretch like me. You kidding? I'm alive now. I'm alive to God. My old spirit that was dead in its sins and trespasses has been made alive. I'm forgiven. He sees me as His chosen son or daughter of the kingdom. I'm chosen by God. I'm an heir according to the riches of God. I'm an heir with Christ, joint heirs with Him, members of His own body. We're accepted. We're valued. We're His salt and His light here on the earth. We're purposed. My goodness, if you never knew why you were born, you ought to know now. You'll find it in Christ. You have His Spirit. You represent God Almighty as an ambassador here on the earth. You're more than a conqueror. You're you're victorious in everything that you set your hand to do. More than a conqueror. You're God's masterpiece. He ain't through with you, but he's got his hands in your life. If you'll stay on that potter's wheel. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's masterpiece, and God don't make junk. The whole puzzle of your life hadn't been put together. You may have only put a few pieces together and say, oh, that looks ugly. I don't even understand what that is. But when you get the rest of that 500-piece puzzle together, you go, oh, I see now. I see what he's doing. See, we're just seeing the here and now. We're day by day. We wake up happy today, bad tomorrow. It's like, come on now, get out of the flesh and get in the spirit. Stir yourselves up in the things of God and walk in the fullness of God. My goodness, when are we going to come out of the flesh? We act like Oh, you got to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. That's going to be hard. No, it's going to be hard to live in the flesh and be down and, and, and broke down all the rest of your days. Choose this day whom you're going to serve the flesh or the Spirit, the devil or God. Who are you going to serve? It's your choice. Do you want to be under condemnation or do you want to receive the grace of God? It's your choice. Let me close Ephesians 2:13. But now in Christ Jesus you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's why he came, to bring you near. You who were once far off, he has come to bring you near. That is your job description in this life. You can break it, break it down any kind of way that you want to, however it makes sense to you. But if you forget everything I said today, you have one job description, and it's to stay near to Jesus Christ. It's not for you to have more willpower to be a better person. You, couldn't, you messed that up a long time ago. If you will stay near to Jesus, He will make you a better person. It's Him. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. It's to stay near. It's the staying near that will give you the victory and make you more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.